Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would say, number one, consistency. I think people say that a lot. But honestly, it's just like going to the gym, right? You're not going to get results from going once a month. You're going to get results from showing up a couple times a week, even if it's for 10 minutes. On social media, consistency is key because that's how people get to know you. And then that's how you become better at creating content, at editing content, at showing up on camera, learning trends, all these things. So number one, consistency is key. Number two, I'd say being vulnerable and honest, which a lot of people aren't ready to do. And that's okay. Everybody's on their own journey. Lastly, I'd say not everybody is built for this. And mm -hmm. I say that mm -hmm. because there's a lot of haters that come with being a content creator. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Giovanna, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thanks, Janice. I'm so excited to be here. I am such a big fan of your work. I live for your TikTok stuff and your LinkedIn stuff. I feel like you are doing the damn thing. So first off, kudos to you, girlfriend, because we need so many more women from our community talking about all things dinero, the first-gen experience. And so that's what you're doing. But for folks who haven't had the pleasure of encountering you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. Well, my name is Giovanna. A lot of people know me as Gigi or the first-gen mentor. I'm a former investment professional turned financial educator and TikTok influencer, and I help first-gen wealth builders feel financially confident by providing relatable and culturally competent financial education. I'm here for it. We need it. And I first want to dive into, you mentioned being an ex-investing professional. So yeah. my guess is that this influencer life was not part of the original plan. <laughs> Am I not right? Not at all. <laughs> not at all, girl. Yeah, I know you relate to that track too. So, <laughs> you know, it's, that's what's different about you and me, you know, because uh, we're millennials, right? And yep. a lot of Gen Z, they grow up aspiring to be content creators. Yes. They want to be YouTubers. They don't want to go to college. And our generation, we were taught you go to college and you get the stable job. We were the last generation that was taught that. Yep. Now everybody's like, college is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I feel like I might be part of that crew. So my bad. Yeah. But it's true. Like I sent my first email in high school, I think it was like 14. So we are the first generation that has seen the power of the internet. And now it's yeah. like a fucking job, which was like mind blown. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. So no, it was not in the works. It's very much something that just happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about pre-influencer Gigi. Like what was the original plan? <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago, even though it's only been a year since I quit corporate. But yeah, I mean, pre-content creator influencer Gigi, I was on the normal track, go to college. I picked a, it was an employable major. I did a business economics. And then my first job out of college actually wasn't using my degree at all. I was a claims adjuster at an insurance company. But after some time, I then switched into the investment space. So I spent almost seven years in investment consulting, investment management. And I even specialized in it. I got a certificate. It's called Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement by the CFA Institute. And I liked it. I liked my job. It didn't light me up the way that my current job does, but I liked it. I just dealt with spreadsheets all day. I cranked out reports, worked internally with stakeholders. And again, I'm hearing myself and I know some people are like, Ugh. <laughs> but, but I loved it because it was very repetitive and I was able to kind of zone out and listen to podcasts or music while getting my work done. I'd finish in my eight hours and live my life, you know, so mm -hmm. I liked it. I had a good thing going. <laughs> yeah. 
That sounds like the ideal gig, if you will, from a nine to five perspective, because what I've heard from a lot of investment management professionals who've left to do their own thing is that it's a grind, like they will chew you up and spit you out. So it doesn't sound like you were having that experience. Yeah, no, it definitely depends on who you work for. I have definitely been in those like burnout environments and I have been severely burnt out from working in those toxic spaces. So they definitely exist. And anybody here that isn't interested in the industry, you just have to know that it's not like that everywhere. So I finally had found a firm where I had stricken that a work-life balance and this corporate culture that was healthy and wasn't just about, you know, burning out. It exists, but it's kind of hard to find for sure. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the fact that you're Latina and you're finding yourself in this space that I imagine there's just not a lot of us represented in the wealth management investment industry. So yeah. what was that experience like? Did you deal with anything like imposter syndrome or microaggressions? Yeah. So I actually just made a video recently about imposter syndrome and I gave my two cents. I said, I personally have never experienced imposter syndrome because I just knew that that wasn't what it should be called. I'm like, no, like imposter syndrome kind of like puts the blame on me. Like I did something wrong. And I'm like, if anything, I knew how many challenges I had overcome to be in these white spaces with half the resources that my white peers had. So I'm like, why would that make me an imposter? If anything, that makes me better than all y'all, you know? If we are at the same place, even though I had half the resources and you did. So that was kind of like my delusional way of dealing with things. <laughs> but I'm not to, you know, negate anybody who does feel that. That's just, you're feeling racism. You're feeling bias in the workplace and your workplace not being inclusive. That's what it mm-hmm. is. It's not you being an imposter. But yeah, on the microaggression front, 100%. And that's a lot of my content on TikTok. I do money and career content. And the career side, instead of saying, this is how you ace an interview, I'll talk about like, this is how you navigate a microaggression so that when somebody says that you're not just like the wind got knocked out of you, like how I did most of my career. But yeah, I mean, that's it's not a fun thing to think about or talk about, but it's something that we need to be aware of as, as women of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely a pervasive thing that most of us face, especially if you are first generation, the first one to go to college, the first one to work in a corporate setting. There's a lot of things that we have to navigate. And one of the things that I've had to reconcile with is that the idea that our parents have about what success and stability looks like is not necessarily what we imagine for ourselves. So I'm curious when you started to realize like, I want to do something else. And how did you navigate the emotions that come with the decision that it takes to kind of maybe disappoint everybody? Yeah. What first comes to mind was for my parents, their definition of success, well, I had met a lot of them, which for us, okay, go to college. They didn't go to college, but they wanted their children to go to college, right? So go to college, get that stable office job with the AC. That was very important because my dad, he still works. He rents party rentals, like vincolinas, tables and chairs. So he's out in the elements. So he always told me, get yourself like a nice job where it's temperature controlled, right? That was a goal. That was a dream. So in that way, I had met success according to my parents. But where I started noticing the friction was on home ownership. I was in my late 20s and they're like, Joanna, ya ponte las pilas. When are you going to buy a house? Like, you know, yes, yes, ahora. Like, you know, you keep renting, you're throwing money away. And as I learned more about money, I'm like, well, that's not necessarily the case. You know, it just depends on your lifestyle and where you live and all these things. And it's still something that I deal with, to be honest, where it's, it's an uphill battle with my family, not just my parents, but my grandparents too, where they're just mm. like, it's time, you know, and 
And I tell them about, you know, how the market is so overinflated and all these things. So it's tough to navigate those spaces as well. Yeah, the struggle is real. And I know you're Mexican, right? So I think regardless of where your family comes from in Latin America, I think what's common is this scarcity mindset that makes you want to crave stability. And so when we think about the influencer life, not necessarily the most stable thing, right? Unless you're maybe like Kim Kardashian or whatever. So how did you make that transition from corporate into this new space and give yourself, I guess it's like, how did you begin to believe in yourself that you could make this work as a full-time thing? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't convinced it was going to work at first and nor did I want it to. I mean, I very much saw my escape from corporate as like a hiatus where I would very much return. I had plans to return. I even left in excellent terms on my job. I gave them a four weeks notice. I gave them complete notes of everything. I wouldn't have done that if I knew I wasn't going to go back You know, I wouldn't <laughs> have gone the extra mile. But, you know, I said, let's try something for me for once and see how I like that. What really empowered me was that I had at the time about 14 months of my living expenses set aside. So if things didn't work out, I had the funds to kind of hold me over and do all that with my family, especially my dad. I'm very close to my dad. And my dad was like, are you crazy? Like, why <laughs> did you go to college? Para que te quemaste las pestañas? Like, you got yourself into all this debt. And for what? You're just going to quit it all. And I'm like, well, I'm not quitting it all, dad. I'm just exploring this. And so, you know, I know he was coming from, we mentioned earlier, that place of lack, right? Where as an immigrant, all he wanted was stability. I had finally achieved stability. And I was putting that to the side to explore content creator, being an entrepreneur. But I'm happy to report that now that it's been a year and he's seen the success that I've had, he's my number one cheerleader. And yes. he tells me, yeah, it's really sweet. And I'm very thankful that, you know, it took him a while to come around, but now he's like, I'm so proud of you. And, and that means a lot. I love that. And I've had the exact same experience with my family. Like at first they were just like, Mia, like, what the hell are you talking about? What is this TikTok? But now it's just like, my mom's like, okay, so when are we going on the book tour? Like, when are we going to meet Oprah? Like all the things. And I'm just like, all right, mom, relax. Like, damn. Now I got the pressure to succeed in other ways from them. So it doesn't well, end. I saw her having a good time in Paris. So I'm sure she's she like, keep was. this train coming. She was living her best life. She's like, you know what? I think you made the right decision, Mia. So it's good. Okay, so let's talk about because I think there's still a lot of mystery around what it actually means to like become a content creator and like have brands paying you and stuff. Like, <laughs> how did that start for you? Did you just like start talking on TikTok because you wanted to teach people, or was this like an intentional thing that you were trying to create? It was definitely not intentional. I just <laughs> laughed because it's just ridiculous how it all happened. And I'm sorry to anybody that's listening. It's like, well, I've been like busting my ass off, like trying to be a content creator. I am sorry. It very much was like, the right place at the right time, but also like having passion and like years of experience and the cash flow to fund me. It was a lot of things. But the thing with TikTok is, you know, you do have the ability to go viral, right? Which it's unlike on any other platform. But basically, I started putting out content on first gen financial education, first gen and career when navigation. Was this? this was in March of 2021. Okay. Yeah. So a little over a year ago. So I did it just as an extension of what I was already doing in my personal life. I was spending time boots on the ground, volunteering with first-gen students, volunteering in my community, teaching financial literacy at the YWCA. So I said, let me put these same tips into the internet to reach more people. Never thinking it would be 
it, what it is ever. It was just a fun side thing, right? Like a lot of people, I think that's a lot of people's story. Yep. It's a fine, fun passion project. But yeah, that kind of changed in April when one of my videos went viral and I got a, a lot of my following then. And I got the attention of uh, the Hispanic Alliance for Career Enhancement. They're called ASE because I made a promotional video just as a resource. You know, I, I was a part of their newsletter and they had a job fair coming up. And I said, hey, you know, for my Latinx audience, I want to share this job fair. And it got like 30,000 views and a bunch of people signed up. And they're like, thanks for sharing this. I've been looking for a job. I just graduated or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even tag them because, again, this isn't how my brain was wired to tag them. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what you're supposed to do. But again, luck, they found it. And somebody, well, not somebody, their chief marketing person reached out and they're like, hey, we saw that video. Let's discuss partnership. And that was kind of the start of it all. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to challenge you and say this was not luck. This was (laughs) the fundamentals of what it actually means to be an entrepreneur, which is providing value to someone, right? When we think about what a business does, they provide a solution (laughs) to a problem and you were providing a solution to your audience. You were giving them access to resources that they otherwise wouldn't know. So this is not luck, girlfriend. This is intentionality (laughs) and this is doing the work. So kudos to you. I would still say there's a tiny element of luck because what's the chance that they saw it? The algorithm. algorithm. There you go. The the (laughs) algorithm. But no, no, definitely. The fact that, you know, I made this 30 second video showing people how to register for the event, how to prepare for a virtual career fair. That was, like you said, out of passion and intentionality with my audience. Mm -hmm. I love it. I want to talk about, was there ever concern? Because I think a lot of people have this concern when they're starting out the side hustle and especially something like content creation where you're like, out here in these streets and people can find you. (laughs) Did you ever have a concern about your job finding out what you were doing or was it going to be a conflict of interest if you kept doing both? Oh, 100%. And that's actually a big reason why this whole persona of Gigi came about. So yeah, my name is Giovanna Gonzalez, Giovanna, right? And most of my friends and family call me Gio. The only person that calls me Gigi in my personal life is my mom. But I created Gigi as that barrier, as a way to kind of distance myself and also to protect myself from the trolls, to be honest. And it has helped. But yeah, I knew that working in banking and investment management is a very conservative industry that was not okay with one of their employees being this talking head for fidelity or speaking on anything financial because it's a legal and reputational risk. So yeah, it's definitely something that was a factor in me quitting and going full-time into the content creator space. Okay. That's good to know, right? Because I think it's career-based whether you have to do this or not. I've always worked in industries that were completely outside of the financial realm and business in general, just So like I was food blogging and working at like a consumer goods manufacturing company. So in my instance, I wasn't presenting a conflict of interest, but there are instances where if you work in a field like investing, wealth management, a lot of the finance industry has a lot of restrictions. That could be a conflict of interest. If you're thinking about maybe putting out your own beauty line, but you work for L'Oreal, that's probably also a conflict of interest, right? So it's just about making that decision to do your research. And I would even entertain like potentially talking to an employment attorney or someone who can give you that information to know yeah. if there's a conflict there. But otherwise, my advice is like, let them mind their fucking business because they got nothing to do with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my particular industry, you actually can't take any outside compensation unless you get written approval. I knew from the get-go that it was not something they would be okay with. Even if you wanted to get a side job doing, you know, working at Macy's, you have to get written approval from the banking world. Wow. That's good to know. Highly regulated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so let's talk about how you were actually able to save a 14-month emergency fund, because first of all, that's wild and amazing in itself. But you also talk about the fact that you weren't making a ton of money while you were doing this. So how did you do it? Yeah, I think it's important to highlight that the most I ever made in my corporate career was $70,000. And for the majority of my career, I made like $60,000, which, you know, is like a median income. And like I mentioned, I think it's important to mention that because I think sometimes on social media, all you see is like, I make six figures and I work in tech and whatever it is, right? So (laughs) it's important to normalize these median salaries that the rest of us are living with. So for me, I was able to build that. I will acknowledge, though, I do have a partner, right? So I've had a partner for five years that I've been able to save expenses on because we share rent and all these mutual shared costs. But really, the biggest factor that allowed me to save that much was me drastically decreasing my cost of living. So I used to live in San Diego, specifically in Encinitas, California, if anybody's familiar with the North County area. We got to this point where we're like, man, we're not going to be able to like get out of debt and meet these financial goals with the income that we're making here and the cost of living. So we started looking around and we landed in, in Phoenix, which is right next door. But that's a big lifestyle change. If anybody's lived in both, one would be considered paradise and the other one not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, surface of hell, I think, is what I just heard Phoenix <laughs> referred to as. <laughs> I try to not be so negative because I know a lot of people live there. And one time I had a follower call me out and they're like, so like where I live, like my hometown, that was like you sacrificing to live there. And I'm like, I live like five minutes from the beach and like, mm-hmm. you know, nice weather year round. So yes, for me, it was a sacrifice. But, you know, everybody has their own journey. But anywho, that made the biggest dent in my financial journey. It really accelerated my debt payoff and helped me finally get into a space where I was able to create significant savings. And I know that moving like that across state lines is not feasible for everybody, but I just think it's important to share that this is what worked for me and my family. And and it was short term. You know, we were only there for two years and now I'm in Chicago living my best life. So Mm. I also want to share what really helped me stick to this goal. Cause I think a lot of people sometimes will move to these areas to save money, but then they end up increasing their spending and doing all that. I had this big goal of quitting my job to travel the world. That was why I was squirreling away money. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to travel the world for a year while I was young, kind of go like on a study abroad for myself. Mm-hmm. And then instead I built a business. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> I think about quitting every day. I'm like, is, like, should I just quit next month and just go to Italy. I mean, you could be an influencer (laughs) anywhere that you got internet. (laughs) Right. I know, girl. But yeah, that's how it started. And then this is how it, what it is now. It's wild. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the geographical change because I also did the same thing. And this is something that's called geo arbitrage, Arbitrage. where Mm -hmm. you basically take advantage of the lower cost of living in a different area and Mm -hmm. use that to your advantage to pay off debt or accumulate savings or achieve financial independence, et cetera. And so I don't think enough people talk about like how much of an impact that geographical change can make y'all. Like when we think about what is the biggest expense we all have, it is your fucking housing. And depending on where you live, I mean, that can be upwards of 50% or more of your income. And so I think it's hard to think about potentially leaving your friends, your family, the community that you've known, changing jobs, et cetera. But I think it's something that more of us should consider, especially as 
knowing that it's not a permanent decision. Nothing is a permanent decision. And just giving yourself that bandwidth and that breathing room, that was transformational for me. And I'm so glad to hear it was for you as well. Yeah. We both said, right? It's temporary. It's not Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Unless you love it. Because I tell my family, like, I ain't coming back to Jersey. Y'all better figure it out and get over here because we ain't doing that again. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Okay, so let's talk about, so you're a financial educator, but you were actually married to someone who filed for bankruptcy. (laughs) I'm just like, listen, let's talk about the fact that women, I think we're a little better with money. It can make you feel like, very confused when you and your partner are on completely financially different pages. So how do you navigate that? Girl, you're like uncovering every rock today. I am. (laughs) I am like turning over all the rocks and sharing all the tea. We actually just talked about this too with with Kara from We Bravely Go. She has a financial feminist summit and we did a recording on money and relationships and how I navigate that. It's very personal. I know that there's a lot of women that on the third date, they're like, I need to know your credit score and good for them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wish I would have done that. But then (laughs) you're like, tonta, I fell in love and it's a little bit harder when you fall in love. You know, (laughs) I was in too deep by the time I found out. I know, but yeah, no, he filed for bankruptcy. We were already together, but we're like, we're not getting married until this bankruptcy thing gets sorted out. The thing about my partner and I is that although he is not good with money, he does give me control. 
And this relationship would not work if he didn't. So his checks get deposited to me, like his direct deposit. I control the money. He does not have access to the money. If it weren't that way, we would not be together. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful that he lets me take charge. And I'm thankful that even though he does struggle with the spending still, he loves his Amazon shipments, all that good stuff. <laughs> he's willing to understand and listen when I'm like, hey, we need to rein it back in. You know, that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I love that. And so there are so many different ways that you can operate as a couple with your finances. And I think that's also something that I had to unlearn from my upbringing. My parents, everything's joined. And I think a lot of what we're told when it comes to marriage is like, you become one and everything is together and blah, blah. But I think it's just having that transparency and having the willingness to have those hard conversations is such an important part of how to make money work when it's not just you. So tell me about, because you're also a proponent of the FIRE movement, I'd be curious to know how you first found out about it and how you strategize to actually achieve financial independence, because that journey is very personal as well. So I came across the FIRE movement after going to career day at my old high school. So I volunteered in career day. I think this was back in 2016 or 2017. And the biggest tip that I left the kids with, I'm like, when you go to college, make sure you study abroad. Even if you think you don't have the money and you have to take out loans, like you're never going to have that opportunity ever again to go study in a new country with kids that are your age, with no responsibilities. And I'm like, I don't know a single person that has regretted it. So anywho, after spending seven classes telling the kids the same thing, I'm like, wow, like I missed the boat because it was my biggest regret that I never studied abroad. And that's when I just started thinking, wow, like I'm just supposed to work for the next 35 years nonstop. And we're child free. So I knew that I wouldn't even, not to say that, you know, maternity leave or paternal leave is is a vacation. It's obviously not, but at least it's still like a change of rhythm of Mm -hmm. going to the office and doing your nine to five. I wasn't even going to get that with the child free life. So then that's when I started Googling, like, what can I do if I want to travel while I'm young, like, or study abroad? And that's how I came across the FIRE movement. And I think like a lot of people that come across the FIRE movement, it just ignites you, right? Mm -hmm. It it lights you up. And and that's when I started consuming everything that I could about how money works. And back when I was doing my corporate job, I very much was on track to retire at 45. When I quit, that was also a reason why I didn't want to quit because I'm Mm. like, the path is very clear mm-hmm. <laughs> with my corporate job, what was entrepreneurship. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know, you know, how that's going to affect my timeline. But you know, what's been interesting, and I've been meaning to post about this, that I don't have that sense of like, I need to retire like ASAP mm-hmm. because I love what I do. Mm. Right. Not to say that I want to, you know, be popping my <laughs> pussy on TikTok when I'm 70. I definitely don't. I don't like I want that to end one day, too. But I don't feel like how I did before, you know, where even though I liked what I did, I still didn't want to have a boss the rest of my life and wake up at a certain time, you know. So that is one of the beautiful things about entrepreneurship that I feel less of the pressure of like having to squirrel away this money because we get to craft our life now, right? So it's so nice. I wish that more people talked about how entrepreneurship can check so many of the boxes that we think about when we're thinking about why we want FI, right? A lot of it has to do with this freedom to create your days. It has to do with travel. It has to do with increasing your income, et cetera. I'm like, dude, entrepreneurship checks off all the fucking boxes for me. At this point, I'm like, first of all, I don't think I could ever be one of those people that like achieves fire and just goes and like lays on a hammock for the rest of my days because that's just not me. But just the options that I have now 
it's like it has reframed what fire actually what I thought. I thought it was like a million dollars in the investment account or it was some sort of net worth. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm getting to live my fire life right now. And it's been because of so many intentional decisions that have kind of built up on each other. So I think for you, it probably started with learning about it. Then it started with saving that FU fund, if you will. And then just like giving yourself the option to try out this thing, this entrepreneurship thing. If it works, great. If it doesn't, what? You go back to a nine to five and live a normal life, which is not such a bad list of options if you really think about it, right? Yeah, go back to what I was doing before, right? (laughs) Yeah. When you say it like that, it's like, it's not so scary. Also take the risk because you never know what you could create when you just give yourself an opportunity to consider what else is out there. Mm -hmm, Totally. Okay. So let's talk about your best tips for folks who also want to make this content creation thing maybe their full-time career, because I think you've been able to do it in such a fast amount of time. And I'm sure you have some tips that you can share with folks that has worked for you. Yeah, I would say number one, consistency. I think people say that a lot, but honestly, it's just like like going to the gym, right? You're not going to get results from going once a month. You're going to get results from showing up a couple times a week, even if it's for 10 minutes or whatever, right? So on social media, Consistency is key because that's how people get to know you. And then that's how you become better, right? At creating content, at editing content, at showing up on the camera, at learning trends, all these things. So number one, consistency is key. Number two, I'd say being vulnerable and honest, which a lot of people aren't ready to do. And and that's okay. Everybody's on their own journey. And then lastly, I'd say not everybody is built for this. And Mm -hmm. I say that Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of haters that come with being a content creator. And I say this because I mentor up and coming emerging content creators and they tell me, how do you deal with this? Or <laughs> how do you, cause I do a lot of clapback videos. It's like, aren't you scared of this? And I'm like, no, everything I post, I've thought about, right? Like I don't just right now at this point, I have to think about what I post because of advertisers, you know, so I am calculated with what I post. So, but you have to have thick skin. Some people have said some nasty things. I'm I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, the nastiest comment I ever got one time was, you know, I've seen you before on my FYP and, you know, I've I've wondered about you and, you know, whether you're really here to help the first-gen community if you're just trying to exploit them. Yeah, it was just so nasty. And I'm like, do I know you personally for you to be like (laughs) saying It was very weird. Somebody else was like, I used to listen to you until I found out your husband is bankrupt. Like, I'm not going to listen to anybody who chooses to marry. Oh, my God. Yeah, those those are fighting words. So then I made a clapback video for that. But yeah, I'd say showing up consistently, being honest and authentic, and collaborating with with other people, like how we're collaborating. I think people like to see that cross-pollination. Hey, I follow her. Oh, I follow her too. They're working together. So I I think it's important. I love that. I feel like it reminds people of like when you see like a collaboration with two artists who like have made a song and you're just like, oh my God, this is so cool or a movie or whatever. So it's the same thing. And I think if I have to attribute my growth to anything, it has been that networking and making those connections and getting out of this mindset that like there's already too many people doing this or that by introducing your community to others, that somehow that's going to make them love you less. I think we need to get out of that mentality because it's rooted in scarcity. And we all know like how much more representation we actually need in these spaces. So us gatekeeping against each other is not the vibe, y'all. I'll own up to it. Definitely when I started in this space, I think that was a fear. And like you said, it comes from scarcity of Mm -hmm. just not knowing any better. For me, that 
didn't change until I went to FinCon last year. So at FinCon, if anybody doesn't know, it's a financial convention where money nerds unite. And that's where I saw so many different content creators in the personal finance space, whether they're podcasters, YouTubers, TikTokers, bloggers, anything. They were all there with that same passion for money, but doing it in different ways. And we all have different experiences. We all have different personalities. Somebody may not like me, but they might like you. They might not like you, but they'll love me. And we can't serve everybody. So there needs to be more of us, especially Latinas doing the thing. Absolutely. Are you going to FinCon this year? I am. Oh my God, me too. I'm going the first time. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. We'll have to meet in person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I am all for hugging these money nerds in real life at this point. So Yes, yes. (laughs) And it's in uh, Florida, so you'll be close. It is. I will be right here. So I'm like, I have no excuse. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. So give us your best tips for folks who are struggling with their money and are overwhelmed with where to start. What's your best advice for getting started? Number one, get clarity. You have to be very clear on your why. So what helped me not lose my sanity when moving away from all my friends and family and everything that I knew in San Diego to go to Phoenix was that I knew I had this goal of quitting my job to travel the world. That might not be everybody's dream, right? Some people don't have any interest in traveling, but maybe they want to buy a rental property or start a business, whatever your why is, right? You need to be crystal clear on that because that's what's going to keep you like on the path. And the path is on the path of budgeting, decreasing your spending, increasing your income, all those good things. And it would help me to stop and think, you know, like let's say I was at Target and I wanted to buy, I don't know, like a new blanket. I would always be like, is this going to get me closer or further away from my goal to travel the world? And I'm like, this isn't going to help me when I travel. If anything, it's going to be more baggage when I want to travel. I'm going to have to get rid of it. So I'd be like, no, we're not getting this extra thing. So yeah, having clarity on that, I think is the number one thing. And it is hard. I will acknowledge when you're like in that debt repayment mode, like I was, because the money isn't going towards you. It's going to like the creditors, right? But what really helped me stick to it was I bought a huge world map that I hung on my wall. Yeah. So my goal was always present. It wasn't like a New Year's resolution that I set and then I forgot about. It was always in my home and present. It's the same effect when people do vision boards, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I did to kind of keep me going and get me excited about my goal was I listened to travel podcasts. So even though I couldn't travel because I wasn't in that financial space yet, Mm -hmm. I listened to, there was one called She Hit Refresh that just talked about women that quit corporate to travel the world or to be digital nomads or whatever it was. And and hearing those stories just kind of fuels you and keeps you going on your path. So again, whatever your interest is, look for those resources, whether it's a blog or YouTube channel or a podcast. I absolutely love that advice. And I love how you were keeping your goal centered. That is so powerful. <laughs> One thing that I also love that you talk about is this concept of value-based spending. And I think a lot of us, especially when we're in that debt repayment phase, can feel like any money that we spend on ourselves is selfish. It's going to derail your goals. And I know that's not how you operate. So how does one identify what they value? And what are some things that you value that other people would be like, well, why the hell does she spend money on that? Sit down and like think about like what lights you up, right? So whether that's going out to eat with your family or traveling or maybe it is buying like a new outfit, whatever it is that lights you up, be intentional about spending money in that way because if you're depriving yourself of the things that you like, you're going to be miserable and it's not going to be fun to stick to a budget. So I'm all about values-based spending. 
And then for me, what do I like to spend money on? <laughs> I'm looking at this spoiled ass dog right next to me. <laughs> I love to spend money on her. I spend way too much money on her, but it does light me up to like get her the good, high quality, expensive treats, traveling concerts. I paid mm-hmm. almost a thousand dollars to see Ariana Grande front row uh, tickets, you know, which some people would never pay that for a concert ticket, but I'm like, to me, it's worth it, you know, <laughs> and I'm very frugal with other things that don't matter. So I think that's what it's about. Yeah, I love that. Spend unapologetically on the things that bring you joy and cut out the shit from your budget that just literally feels like money that is not aligned with what you care about. Yep. Giovanna, I love this conversation. Love what you're doing. I know folks are going to want to find out so much more about you. So tell us where we can find you and what are you working on? Yeah, of course. So I'm most active on TikTok. My handle is at the first gen mentor. I'm also on Instagram, my handle there is a bit different. It's Gigi the First Gen Mentor. And what I'm most excited about is actually this pretty recent news. I am going to write a book too. And I know that. <laughs> yes. So we'll have to be like accountability buddies. Yes. Oh because... my God. I need, I need one so <laughs> Let's do it, girl. Let's do it. I already have one, but she's not in the financial space, which I think is good. But yeah, let's let's talk uh, about that later. But yes, it's actually something that I've been wanting to do before I even had my platform. And I actually started writing it. I'm putting it in quotations because now that I know how the writing process goes, I wasn't doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually had started writing a personal finance book for the first gen community. And I had nobody to market it to or that would even buy it besides like my family and friends. <laughs> but I'm like, who cares? I'll write this and then I'll figure out how to market it later. But then the TikTok thing happened and that kind of took a life of its own. And then now I'm finally at a place in my business where I can kind of pause that to work on this book. So I'm super excited about that. So I'm like, make gosh. sure. To- yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be posting about my thank you. I'll be posting about my writing journey on social media. So make sure to check me out there to follow along there. Please do. And when can we anticipate this work of art? (laughs) Work of art. I would say spring, spring of 2023. So I would say my goal is to launch around Women's History Month, if not Financial Literacy Month next year. That's incredible. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! I cannot wait for folks to. Find all the amazing resources that you are putting out here. I want to thank you for the work that you do for being a much needed voice in this space. And I want to wish you all the luck and success that I know is coming for you. Oh my God. Ditto to you, girl. Now you're (laughs) killing the game. And I've told you before that I look up to you so much. So it's just such an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, 
Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer